Welcome to Sermons by Brad Tuttle. We are so glad you decided to join us today. We know you're going to be encouraged, inspired, and challenged by this powerful sermon. the truth. 2 Timothy 4 verses 1 through 5. Apostle Paul says, I solemnly, that's a big word there, I solemnly charge you, this is to Timothy, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, So I solemnly charge you to preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Look at the words. Look at these verbs. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. Why? Why preach this way? Why reprove? Why rebuke? Why? Because or for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Verse 5, But you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. That is a great verse for me. Be sober. That doesn't mean I'm not drunk. It says be sober. Be be solid in all things. Endure. Is it always going to be easy? No, endure hardship. But do the work of an evangelist. So he's saying as a pastor, you need to be evangelizing too. And fulfill your ministry. So this is a solemn, serious command. So Paul's commanding Timothy to be faithful in his preaching, to be bold in exposing and refuting error, to be an example of godliness, to be diligent in hard work, to be willing to suffer hardship and persecution. Someone will say and respond in on a YouTube video that someone has shown that is they're trying to expose something that is error, and someone will always write in, the Bible says judge not. That has nothing to do with that. I understand judging someone's character, they're not talking about the person personally or their character. They're talking about their doctrine, talking about what they're teaching. It has, there's a place for this. He says it. This is, what this, whole, this is what this is all about, refute error. So there needs to be people out there on the front lines refuting error. Um, he says, I solemnly charge you, verse 2, read it again. Preach the word, be ready in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. So let's break this down. So here's the main thing, preach the word. We're not supposed to be influenced by the reaction of the congregation um, or anything else. We are, I am, it's not just for me. You just need to know all. This is for you too. When we preach the word, it doesn't matter what anybody's going to say about it. If it's sound and if it's, what, and if it's, if it's um, expositionally correct, it, it's, you don't worry about the reaction from people. I've preached even as we've done this church I've been preaching, none of you guys have done this, but I've literally preached, and I know I was preaching reproof and rebuke, 
And I've seen people in the church that wanted to, there was daggers coming out of their eyes at me. And it's not me. It's the word of God that is confronting them with their lifestyle and they don't like it. And that's what we have to learn and deal with in the church today. I heard one big pastor, probably the biggest church in America, said, it's not my calling to call anybody out. I'm only called to encourage. Nope, if you're standing behind the pulpit and you're a teacher, you're a preacher, you're supposed to be reproving and rebuking and exhorting people because it's up to us to help them be, to, to live the right way, to go the right direction. Preaching truth will not be popular with the masses. And Leonard Ravenhill, this guy's a, you know, old theologian, a powerful man of God, said, if you want to be popular, preach happiness. If you want to be unpopular, preach holiness. Boy, don't we see that today. All the happy stuff. The main thing is that the preacher can't be afraid to offend because souls are at stake. Lives are in the balance. Whether they're unsaved or saved, there's lives in the balance. And I'm accountable to the Lord. I'm not accountable to you. I'm accountable to the Lord alone. And even what I'm doing today, I'm accountable to Him for what I'm saying. So I want to make sure I do it in love, and I make sure I do it in the right way. But I may say some things today, but I'm doing it in love, even though it doesn't sound like it. Amen. (laughs) So this word preach, the Greek word, caruso, it means to herald to proclaim. You preach, you herald, you proclaim with soundness. It's not talking about a discussion. Teaching is instruction. I get up, I give out facts, but there's something about preaching. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Preach the word, proclaim it, herald it, speak it as if it's amazing news. And speak it from a heart that is moved by it. You want to hear a great preacher? I'm one of my favorite preachers. His name is Stephen Lawson. He's not going to prophesy to you. He's not going to give you an apostolic word. He's not, going, he's, he's not in that camp, but this guy is a solid, powerful word guy, preaches the word of God. And I respect him as a man of God. I respect his life as a man of God. And I respect the way he delivers the word of God. He preaches sound exegesis, but he does it with passion, but nothing about it. He's not over into the flaky thing. It's just the word of God. And that's what we need to hear. Um, So preaching the truth calls for something more than mere discussion or conversation. In a world of itching ears, preach the word. To a generation gone astray, preach the word. In a time of moral crisis, preach the word. When people don't want to hear you, preach the word. When false teachers abound, preach the word. In good times and in bad times, preach the word. And when people listen and when they don't listen, preach the word, even when they're yawning. (laughs) Preach the word. Stephen Olfer, who runs a, uh, who's a, a man that's known for his teaching pastors how to preach, he said, without any question, the crying need of the hour is to return to the apostolic injunction to preach the word. Preach the word. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. That means in favorable situations and in unfavorable situations. This is a favorable situation because none of you are in here not liking me and you all want to be here and you're happy to be in church. I've been in very unfavorable situations before, not only in America around believers, but in unfavorable situations around a lot of sinners overseas. But you know what? You preach the word. You preach the word. Whether it's easy or whether it's going to be hard. Even when there's uh, no obstacle or when there's a lot of obstacles against it. 
So the idea here in, in season and out of season is, season is that the preacher is not to play. This convicts me. He's not to play at preaching. It must be a life-consuming passion. He is never off duty. I should desire through the week, I can't wait to preach. It needs to be like a fire shut up in my bones. I want to deliver the word. I've got to give them the word. I don't care if there's 10 people here, there's 10,000. I've got to give them the word. That's, what, that's how a preacher should be. All his life and his walk with God go into preaching of the word. Um, this word, this phrase, be ready, imparts this urgency. Be ready. It's like a paramedic unit on call who's ready to save somebody's life. Their soul's perishing without Christ. Christians are straying from the fold. So proclaim God's truth whenever and wherever you can. Preaching at all times, even if you're chained to a guard. Paul was still preaching. Preaching the gospel. Amen. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. We'll just skip over this part. We'll go on to another part. Oh, no? Okay, we'll, we'll do this then. Okay. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. Quote, Call upon those under your charge, that's you, to take heed of sin, to do their duty. Call upon them to repent and believe and live a holy life. And this both in season and out of season. Called to preach. Take a hard look at these words. Look at these verbs that Paul was led by the Spirit to write down that he shared with this young pastor, preach this way. So he uses the verbs reprove, rebuke, and exhort. And it, he, he does it because it shows how resistant people are going to be to the truth. Remember, they want to hear what they want to hear, not what they need to hear. So they're going to resist anything that's going to challenge them in their way of life, whether it's sinner or saint. So look at the words, reprove. Look at what reprove means. It means to point out errors, refute falsehood, convict, convince, correct, show people in what way their lives are wrong, and convince them. I'm not just here, or we're not just preaching things that make everybody feel good. No, it may not build a big church, and it may not be popular, but it's what I'm ordained. It's what the preacher is called to do. He's called to reprove, to convict, to show people what is wrong in their lives. He's like a paramedic again, I say. He's trying to, people are going wayward, and they need to, even in their theology, he's trying to bring them back to where they need to be. Jonathan Edwards, imagine this sermon preached today titled he you all have heard this before if you if you know the the sermon was called sinners in the hands of an angry god they said that he didn't even he they said literally he held the notes up in front of his face but they said the people thought that judgment day was coming if you ever if you want to know go home and google it and look up sinners in the hands of an angry god and read what he preached to them he talks about them dangling over the pit of hell, over the flames of fire. I mean, it's like, preach that today. It's not going to, you know. But look at the title, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Word rebuke. It's the aspect of preaching which reprimands the sinner or saint and seeks to correct his ways. One quote said, rebuke them with gravity and authority in Christ's name that they may take your displeasure against them 
as an indication of God's displeasure. Think about the place a preacher's supposed to be in. If he's, do, if he's preaching the word according to the word of God, led by the Holy Spirit and anointed by the Spirit of God, he's actually showing the displeasure that God may have with what they're involved in as he's preaching the word to them. It's pretty powerful. The preacher must not be tempted to tone down sin. Not... Uh, because he's afraid to offend anybody, whether it's anybody in here or believer or not believer. And think about this in Matthew eight thirty-two and 33. You don't have to turn there. I'll just read it to you. What did Jesus say to Peter? Peter said something and Jesus, who? Jesus, turned around and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. Did we hear Peter say, How dare you, Jesus? I'm going to quit coming to your church. He rebuked him. The Son of God, all love, rebuked him. Rebuked the follower. Called him, knew that Satan was so controlling him that he looked at him and said, how would you like somebody to say that? How would you like that for counseling? So the word exhort, it means to make an appeal to the will and emotions of the hearers through encouragement. So some need rebuke and some need encouragement. Someone has said that the preacher's job is to disturb the comfortable. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. That means be diligent. Be careful. Don't give up the cause. Don't grow weary of speaking to them. Even, even in the way they're reacting, just keep doing what God has called you to do. Don't be discouraged by the difficulties you meet with. I've been there before. I've been there before. I've let that, I've let that kind of the, the feedback and different things discourage me. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not there anymore. And you've got to just push through, right? And I, I've determined I'm going to be who I am. And again, I said this a couple weeks ago, I'm a funny guy. You know, I, can, I, I say funny things. I, I, I'm not a joke teller. I don't make our sermons out of jokes to start with a joke and end with a joke because I think it's a little bit more serious than that. But we can laugh at times. But anyway. But you got to bring truth. Amen? Amen. So why preach this way? I'll read verses 3 and 4 again. 4, or that word means because. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting. Now, Paul, this was, this was written by the Spirit. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to, I love this, myths or some versions say fables. This is a prophetic warning, trying to stop the church from leaving sound doctrine and, go into, and going into unsound doctrine. Uh, unsound doctrine cannot produce spiritual birth, and it cannot produce spiritual health. If someone's not giving you a right gospel, a, 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 wrong, a false gospel will not save, and false teaching will not disciple. You can stir them up and give them all the prophetic words and this and that. That does not disciple people, especially if it's mysticism so to speak a lot of that going on in the church today everything i mean i've seen some pretty weird stuff i've been watching of you know some of the people out there they i mean i watched a worship i watched a video on a couple of the worship leaders from bethel and uh i you know the one literally i just can't imagine pastor T- i can't imagine can't imagine pastor todd in the little service coming off the stool and sitting on the ground rocking like he's at woodstock high on lsd saying drip drip rain rain drip drip rain rain 
and, they're, and the other guys kind of look at her, she's saying drip. You're going, what is this? <laughs> Folks, there's some weird stuff out there that's done in the name of the Spirit, and people are falling for it. We've got to understand who we're listening to. How many of y'all have ever heard the phrase modernism? Well, the philosophy of modernism has infiltrated the church. The modernism was philosophies that had to do with social areas of life, but also it, it's kind of this take out the old-time gospel and bring it in, bring in this easy, easy believism. Take, a, take the cross away and take the blood away. Take the propitiation of, of God away. Take the wrath of God away. Don't talk about that. Jesus loves you. He just wants to love you and bless you. He wants to save you. All this in an effort to make Christianity more palatable to a cynical world. That spirit is rampant in the church today. That's how, that's the, that is the form and model of how to build a church. Make your church more palatable to society. I literally would rather have a church of 20 people than to be somebody I'm not just so I can accumulate a bunch of people and preach something that I know is not true. So a wrong gospel will not save and false teaching will not disciple. So this phrase, they will not endure. In other words, they will resent and resist truth. Remember, I'm breaking down with some stories in there in between what the Apostle Paul was given by the Holy Spirit to give to a young pastor. They resist because they don't enjoy hearing that they're living according to the flesh. You guys do. You like to be challenged. Pastor Todd said he came back to the church when he initially came because there was a, he received the challenge. Thank God for that. They resist because they don't enjoy hearing truth that exposes their immorality. They resist because they don't enjoy hearing that they're not supposed to live like the world. They resist because they are immature like little kids who don't want to be told what to do. They resist because they want to hear what they want to hear. They resist because they want preaching on happiness favor and blessing and not preaching on holiness and suffering. I walked into a church in Frisco, gigantic church up there now. When I first walked, we went in there, we were kind of looking for a church, whatever it is. We walked in, I knew the guy, walked in, we, up on stage was a Lamborghini and there was a huge banner behind it that said, favor of God. And he threw baseballs out that said the favor of God. I guess if you grabbed a baseball, then now you had the favor of God. I don't know. We always have the favor of God as children of God. I don't need to have a Lamborghini. And the first thing he told me when I got into the parking lot, the first thing he had said to me was, my Viper is in the shop. I was like, man, man. I'm driving an Altima. I'm like, well, you know, my, uh, <laughs> my, <laughs> I said, well, my Altima's running good. I'm like, come on, man. Just be real, man. I don't, you know, it's not about that. You all have God's favor. We don't have to entice people with, you know, crazy, man. Instead, they want to have their ears tickled. I didn't write this. Paul did. Leonard Ravenhill said this. We live in a day of itching ears, but I have no commission from God to scratch them. It's not my job as a preacher, as a pastor, to scratch the ears of those who want them tickled in a particular way. They have ears that want to be or have to be continually titillated with novelties. False stories of the supernatural and so-called new revelations from God. Let me tell you something here today. There is no new revelation from God. Here's the revelation from God. 
but people follow after all this new stuff. There's nothing new. God's given us his revelation. They bury themselves under mounds of teachers whose teachings suit their own desires. And this is what the Bible's prophesying about the time we are in right now. Are you all with me? Everybody still like me? And Okay. It doesn't matter. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Even if you're here today and you don't like this, I'm just giving you the word of God. Amen. So they have a desire to hear not what they need to hear, but what they want to hear. I just can't imagine standing up in front of 40,000 people and never challenging people on the way they live. Even if only 10,000 of them are even saved. We've got, because there's lives in the balance. Are you telling me I'm going to gather 40,000 people in front of me while I'm preaching and they're all saved? And when I give the gospel, I'm just going to turn into the television set and say, just say this prayer, you're saved. I just sent all thousands and thousands of people out into the world who now think they're born again, who never really believed. They just prayed a prayer. This is how serious this is. Very serious. People are more interested in something different, something sensational, something so-called supernatural, something funny, rather than sobering truth. They want jokes, nice stories, compliments. My wife's a great encourager. I am too. But if that's all you do as a preacher is try to compliment, you're missing it. You've got to bring people the truth. Doesn't mean every single sermon has to be, you know, but. And we're living in a day and age where people don't even want to hear the real gospel. People do not want to hear that when they were born, even in a church, when they were born, they were separated from God completely. They don't want to hear that when Jesus went to the cross, he took God's wrath. The wrath of a holy God on his body, on him for us. And that before they're saved, as sinners, God's wrath is on them. He doesn't stroke them, oh, I love you, I love you, I love you. His anger burns against evildoers. No one wants to hear it. But it's truth because we don't understand the mind of God. So we want it the way we want it. You all with me today? They accumulate or pile up for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. I mean, this is a tragic reversal of God's intended plan. They choose teachers who will exhort, they, they, instead of choosing to be somewhere or to listen to people who will exhort them to control themselves, who will keep them grounded in the truth of the word, they choose teachers who will allow them to do what they feel is best for them. They wish to hear what pleasantly tickles the ear. I didn't write it. The Apostle Paul did by the Holy Spirit's inspiration. And this is a great one. And they will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. They will run to all these new teachers and these new philosophies and these new methodologies and these new revelations and these new... Again, everybody gets their title. We have bishops and apostles and all these things, and everybody just starts. It's just a. 
And they will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to miss. Here's a quote. They will turn away their ears from the truth. They will grow weary of the old plain gospel of Christ. And then they will be greedy of fables and take pleasure in them. And God will give them up to those strong delusions because they received not the truth. It says they will turn aside or turn away. Can literally mean to, that means to twist out gives the picture of the minds and hearts of those who reject or resist God's truth as ending up spiritually dislocated or knocked spiritually knocked out of joint. Human mind, our minds naturally crave um, something to feed on. And when we abandon truth, we're ready to receive any and every false notion that comes along. People are so easily misled. And I don't know if it's because, you know, I'm not on TV and I don't have a big church and then they will come and tell me they went somewhere else and they got to tell me what this guy said. And I'm like going, I, I, you know, I don't basically, I don't, I wouldn't have that guy speak in my church. I don't know, you know, but, but I don't know enough. And so they're fine trying to find someone. If you don't like it here, they're going to go somewhere. I like that. I want to listen to that. And uh, it's been a journey for me because you got to come to the place where if you're going to be someone that, you know. Oh, this word myths. First Timothy one four says, nor to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies which give rise to mere speculation rather than furthering the administration of God, which is by faith. Myth or fable is used only in a negative sense as something to be avoided because it is false and it's unreal. Fabricated by the mind in contrast to reality. So you have these manufactured stories of angelic visitations and people who go to heaven. And I, I, I've never, no, he's never taken me to heaven or, they've, or they went to hell or they, all these things that people buy the books and all these prophetic words. I'm telling you something, you prophesy one thing wrong, you're not a prophet. One thing. And it's easy for me to prophesy, it's going to rain this summer. Charles Spurgeon said, a time will come, so you think it's just me, a time will come when instead of shepherds feeding sheep, the church will have clowns entertaining the goats. So start listening to people who bring the word. And don't play around. The best way to reveal the crookedness of one stick is to place a straight stick beside it. Solid, sound, properly exposited biblical teaching is the straight stick. Put Stephen Lawson's preaching up to some of the other things that you hear, and you're going to see the straight stick next to the crooked stick. Verse 5, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Here's a quote. But as for you, you be constantly, he's telling Timothy, constantly in a sober mood, calm, collected, wakeful, Alert in all things. Endure hardships. Let your work as a pastor be evangelistic in character. Fully perform your ministry in every detail. In closing, hallelujah. One commentator said, many churches today are filled to overflowing with those who want their ears tickled with the myths of easy believism. And the many variations of selfism in so-called positive thinking. You got to really watch out for that. 
a lot of things that are being taught, even in the Word of Faith area, it becomes, it becomes this positive thinking thing. You've got to be careful that you're, not, that you're really basing what you're talking about off the Word of God. Somebody say amen. They have come to have their egos fed and their sins approved, not to have their hearts cleansed and their souls saved. They want only to feel good, not made not to be made good. Mm. Tragic. Let me say it again. They want to. F- they only. They want only to feel good, not to be made good. Tragically, such myths serve to religiously insulate people from the true gospel and drive them still further from the Lord. Every preacher who's preaching today will be held accountable to what they preached. Be held accountable. Joel Osteen will be held accountable to what he preaches. He'll be held accountable to those interviews that he's had on TV where, and the, some of the responses he's had to people, Larry King and Oprah. He'll be held accountable for that stuff because people are listening. Sheep. Remember, they're sheep. We're called sheep. Sheep are dumb. And they're led by anything. And anyone, you'll be held accountable to the things you're preaching. Follow people who have a right theology. Don't get caught up in what so many are being caught up in today. People are questioning biblical truth. There's so much stuff out there, guys. I'd love to spend three or four more sermons on that. There's so many belief systems within the body of Christ. Not the body of Christ, within the church. Biblical truth is being replaced in the church today. It's said again, a wrong gospel will not save and false teaching will not disciple. It's the Bible. It's what God's word says, not our opinions about it. That's the ultimate guide for navigating through life. It's the word of God. I appreciate that you come here. I, I live in holy fear of standing up in front of you and teaching you something about the Bible that is not right. Because I'm going to be held accountable for that. So I lastly say endure, welcome, expect, desire, sound teaching. Thank you for joining us at Sermons by Brad Tuttle. We pray this sermon blessed you, encouraged you, inspired you, and challenged you in your walk with Christ. Thank you for being with us and come back and visit us anytime. God bless you.